ESPN Tournament Challenge is here. And guess what? I'm doing my bracket right now. Making picks, predicting upsets, winning my bracket group, and leaving my old life as a part-time voice actor behind. Hey, you never know. And if I can do it while recording this awesome commercial, you can too. Anyone can bracket. Download the ESPN Tournament Challenge app to play the number one bracket game. Presented by Capital One. NFL 2023, where touchdowns are optional. Bears still somehow getting a win last night. We'll talk about that also. It's been a minute. LeBron, all-time record for minutes. Also, Dak's MVP case. And when grandma watches her two grandsons play each other and fight. Let's go around the horn. What are my boys doing out there? The Chucks are approaching the first family of hockey, at least currently. Grandma, Kachuk there, take it in the festivities. We'll get to that later. Bears 12, Vikings 10. Chicago winning a game without scoring a touchdown. Minnesota broken by the four Josh Dobbs interceptions. Justin Fields gets credited with a game-winning drive after surviving the fumble a couple possessions earlier for the game-winning field goal late. But again, no touchdowns for Chicago in the win. So Tim Kalashaw, sometimes you're allergic to scoring on this show. Takeaway from Chicago's mm. win over Minnesota last mm. night. Thank you for asking me, Tony. I'd like to go over each of the scoring drives. The Bears kicked the field goal. The Vikings kicked the field goal. Halftime came. <laughs> yes. Okay, that's enough of that. Yeah. Uh, yeah, no, this was this was two teams in search of a quarterback. And I mean two teams. And I'm starting with the Bears because Justin Fields is at least the guy that's supposed to be the quarterback. And he really should have lost the game when he fumbled with two and a half minutes to go. That was a bad fumble. He should have seen that defender coming. Wasn't like a blind shot where somebody strips the ball away. And if the Vikings could have just got one first down or even moved the ball maybe eight yards and kicked the field goal and had a four-point lead instead of a one-point lead, that would have been the game. So he really got bailed out by the Bears' defense and the ineptitude of Dobbs. I think the clock has run out on that experiment. And Kirk Cousins, again, seems more valuable than ever. Give him $50 million to bring him back. (laughs) <laughs> Marcel Louis Jacques, do you have a takeaway from last night? Yeah, the Vikings coach uh, Kevin O'Connell said Josh Dobbs almost didn't make it out of last night's game, and that makes two of us because I almost didn't make it out of that display either. Look, not to sound like a clairvoyant pessimist, but we knew the, the Josh Dobbs bubble was going to burst eventually. This is his seventh year in the NFL. You don't just magically pop up and become an average starter or a replacement level elite starter after seven years we knew that that was we knew that that was going to happen fan phrase from mr (laughs) louis jacques we'll get back to him george sedano take away from last night tony the micro is this the vikings had that game to win and honestly i'm going to put it at the feet of brian flores if you look at the way they blitzed justin fields earlier in that game every time they blitzed him fields was terrible when they didn't blitz him he was able to complete passes and in the last drive They didn't blitz him. I didn't understand the logic to that. But the macro is neither of these teams are very good, okay? I know the Vikings made a little bit of a surge, and the Dobbs situation was cool. But, yes, Dobbs is who he is. He's a good player in the sense of he's decent as a backup at times. But this is who he is mostly. It's why he doesn't have a starting position in this league. Ultimately, though, with Justin Fields, I think if you're the Bears, 
Man, you had four turnovers go your way, and you this is how you win the game? Like, it's amazing to me how you look at this and you say to yourself, you know what, maybe for Justin Fields' sake, it's best if they do move on because he can go somewhere where he can get good coaching that can help his progression along, and the Bears could then draft a quarterback that they feel is more ready to insert with this team right away. David Dennis Jr., you have a takeaway from last night? My takeaway is I would like to take this game away from my memory. This is just another one of Everybody's the bad jokes. games that we have seen this season. And I feel like we're just piling up a lot of terrible games. There was that Giants-Jets game. There was a Broncos-Bears game. There's this game. There's so much bad play. I don't know if it's the schedule and the injuries or something, but we were watching a whole lot of bad football, and something needs to be done about that. Now, in terms of the Bears, that fan base, you know, is sort of hanging their hat on a high draft pick and maybe Caleb Willem Will Williams and another person will come in and save that squad, but they have structural issues that they need to figure out from top to bottom beyond just Justin Fields. They have a head coach who should be better served as a defensive coordinator and an offensive coordinator who shouldn't be coordinating any offense. 2.7 air yards for Justin Fields, uh, who can do better than that. That, like, that is inexcusable from that staff. They need an upheaval before they get those players to figure out how they're going to move in their future. Marcel Louis-Jacques, back in. All right, let me shake a couple of bits of rust off. But this is why, for the Vikings, this is why you brought Nick Mullins in, right, to be your quarterback if your starter gets hurt. Nick Mullins is mm. healthy. It is time okay. to make that change. Josh Dobbs was always the emergency option. And when it comes to the Bears, yeah, you are banking a lot off of these two top ten picks. So you better be 100% in on Matt Eberflus because you are never going to be this asset rich again with this type of talent coming out of the NFL draft. So this is a pitiful offseason. It's going to be hard to pass on a guy like Caleb Williams or even Drake May when Justin Fields has not taken that next step in his career. Anybody buying what David was selling, that it's a down year for the NFL, that there's some bad offenses out there? Tim Kalisha? It's not down in Dallas when the Cowboys oh, are home. Oh, yes. How do you do Down in Philadelphia. <laughs> there, there's some shaky quarterback play around the league. Tommy DeVito's had some rough moments, although now he's Multiple wins. Speed. Hey, so. watch yourself. Oh, oh, George Sedano. Are, are you willing to call this a down year? Is there such a thing for the NFL? No, Tony, there's ebbs and flows to every sport. There's going to be years where there's going to be great quarterback play and years where there's not. And there's going to be a new influx of talent coming in at that position. And I think that's what drives interest and, I guess, uh, excitement in this. Marcel? I don't, I don't know. I cover a team that scored 70 points in one mm. game. So it's hard yes, for me to do. say that offense oh, is down. Oh, I don't know what the teams have to do. It's not his fault. I, I don't okay, know. That, I, I can't speak for anybody else. But and you I did go on TV and say this could be the best offense of all time. Hasn't looked exactly like that since then. <laughs> That's but true. it's great yeah, to I'll have you back, Marcel. You were str- Marcel was stranded in Germany for about three days after they had their game, and this is the first time we're seeing him since then. So points for going out the passport and getting back. We'll move on. 66,319 minutes. Not in one game. That would be a record. But this is also a record. No one has ever played more minutes of NBA basketball than LeBron James. Set the record last night, breaking Kareem's. Set in a 44-point loss to Philadelphia, the worst loss of his career. Afterwards, he said they need to make changes, quote, a lot of changes, end quote. George, how significant is the all-time minutes record and what LeBron said after the game? 
Tony, I've had enough of these conversations over the years with LeBron in these post-game scenarios where I ask him about, like, hey, what does it feel like to break this record now? And he kind of always downplays it. I'm not saying he doesn't care about it, but what he cares about is the situation at hand. And the situation at hand is he's clearly not happy with the way his team is trending at the moment. And if you look at the way they're playing, outside of LeBron and Anthony Davis most nights, the rest of that group has not played very well. Uh, now, granted, they have tradable contracts, but those guys haven't lived up to the billing. They're a minus team. I believe minus 3.3 when D'Angelo Russell is on the floor. Austin Reeves has been very up and down this season after playing through the summer and having a new contract. Rui Hachimura has not lived up to his new contract. So there's a lot of questions about the supporting cast with the Lakers. And when I think he says a lot, I think he starts looking around the locker room and saying, hmm, maybe we do need to make more changes. Maybe bringing everybody back was not the right move in this particular David Dennis Jr.? I mean, the, let's start with the minutes. It's impressive. It's not as impressive as Tim Kalashar leading the around-the-horn minutes all time, so congratulations uh, to him. I think that's a, a real thing. But in terms of the post-game comments, we, Tony, we are in what is called the LeBron James calendar of passive aggressiveness, and it starts right here in November. <laughs> oh, he he's a got a prop. Here we go. And he says that we need a lot of work. And then – by February, by the trade deadline, by All-Star Weekend, he says, hey, oh, another go. owner, right, another coach go. over there, they might be good. I might start going over there. And then the season's over, and then they don't do as well as they necessarily do, and they make a bunch of trades, and they say, hey, this is the team that we need uh, going into the next season. All right. The next season starts, they underperform, and we're right back here where he says they need a lot of changes. It is the LeBron James calendar of passive aggressive. We are in phase one. Tim Callishaw. I might be the leader in minutes. I forgot to bring props. I, I, I don't know how I was remiss on, on this front. Is this season a record, though? Minutes played regular season and playoffs? I don't know that anyone knew this record actually existed before they started asking LeBron about it. I look at the Lakers like about 12 other teams in the West. They could all be playing better, except for Minnesota, which I, they're not going to play that well for all, all season long. But they're 10-8. and eight. They're not playing badly. They had a start where they played a lot of good teams and played most of them on the road. I don't think the Lakers are in. If we remember, they barely made the playoffs before they went to the Western Conference Finals. They had to play hard to get into those play-on games, and then they started going up the ladder. So really just getting in is the whole thing for that team. And Marcel Louis-Jacques. Yeah, my props got confiscated in Frankfurt. But Le LeBron seems like kind of an emotional <laughs> response happen. to a rightfully blowout loss. They had won. They've won four of their last six games. So it's not like the sky is falling in Los Angeles. But if when he says a lot of changes need to be made, like, how mad can he be? Nothing's moving in Los Angeles without LeBron say so. So is this is he talking to himself? Is he looking in the mirror here? Because this is the team that you've built. Like, they're clearly missing a third star. Like George said, they have these tradable contracts, but they need to make something happen because when you look at the rest of the Western Conference, they are going to lap LeBron and the Lakers come playoff time, especially if Anthony Davis cannot be a reliable second option throughout the course of the season. So, Tony, I, I do want to mention about Anthony Davis. If you look at his defensive metrics, they've been incredible. Um, granted, he did get beat up yesterday by Joel Embiid, but most people do. But ultimately, it's the offensive aspect of this where they need Anthony Davis to be the guy we saw when LeBron was injured last season. That's the Anthony Davis they need when LeBron is on the floor if they want to be a championship-level team. Tim, I'm with you. I thought, yo, Marcel, big face here. I see what's happening over there. There we go. 
Uh, Tim, I'm with you that I never heard the minutes record before. Do you know the game's played record? Anyone know? First, LeBron is not, well, be first in minutes, not first in games played. Anyone know the record holder for games played NBA history? Give you a bonus point. Carmelo. Incorrect. Robert Parrish. Nobody's getting a point. You're all getting huge for that. Chief. Fire still next. The Horn is presented by Bullet Frontier Whiskey. Please drink responsibly. Part of Happy Hour. And in part by the Subaru Share the Love event. Now through January 2nd. <clears throat> ESPN Tournament Challenge is here. And guess what? I'm doing my bracket right now. Making picks. Predicting upsets. Winning my bracket group and leaving my old life as a part-time voice actor behind. Hey, you never know. And if I can do it while recording this awesome commercial, you can too. Anyone can bracket. Download the ESPN Tournament Challenge app to play the number one bracket game. Presented by Allstate. Reggie White, who's a defensive end for the Green Bay Packers, says that the firebombing of his church in Knoxville, Tennessee this week was the work of racists who may have been trying to hurt him. First there was one fire, then there was another, then there was another. It wasn't just Reggie's church that burnt down. Hundreds of churches burned in the 90s. I think we have a major problem in our country that we don't want to admit, and that has to do with racism. Was this 1996 or 1956? 30 for 30 podcast and Antscape presents Through the Flames. Listen now wherever you get your podcasts. Welcome back to Around the Horn, brought to you by Chase. Coming to you from the Seaport District at Pier 17. And yes, now Dak Prescott from one of those teams that there's no struggle this season. His MVP candidacy, of course, legitimate. He's saying he's not really thinking about it, though. He's in for a big team goal, told Skylar Dixon of the AP. The goal is to stack wins. About Dallas's wins, strength of schedule, strength of victory so far this year. Easiest schedule by wide margin. The only team whose opponents are under 400 win percentage. And the SOV strength of victory, barely over 300. It gets a lot more difficult going forward. Timmy, buy yourself Prescott's MVP case. Yeah, he's basically laid the foundation not against some of the greatest teams, although he played really well in the Philadelphia loss. The team made a big transformation after the bye week, changed their offense, got some more motion going, and, and is doing more things. I still think it's going to be Jalen Hurts' MVP to lose if, if, if he's going to make those plays like he did at the end of the Buffalo game and the Eagles end up with the George best George Tony, there's a reason in Vegas they have all those tall, beautiful buildings is because they suck in Cowboy fans. Three weeks ago, before wins against the Commanders, Giants, and the Carolina Panthers, Dak Prescott was 60-1 to to win the MVP. He's 7-1 to now. So what Cowboy fans think is, oh, we got a chance. And you know what? You should listen to Dak because he's basically telling you he doesn't really have a chance. Well, you're putting stock then in the opponent's He's played and the success he's had because he's on a great run over the last month and a half. Marcel Louis Jacques, how do you uh, take his candidacy for MVP? His candidacy? Yeah, absolutely. He should be in, he should be mentioned among MVP candidates. Is he the favorite? 
Probably not, but he's got games against Philadelphia, Buffalo, and Miami coming up at this last mm-hmm. month of the season. How he performs in that should go a long way toward who he actually, you know, where he actually lands in the in the award race. But they're finally treating him like a quarterback who can be the reason why they win games, not a high-end game manager while they ground and pound. Shout out to Mike McCartney for making that adjustment because entering the season, the whole plan was to run, 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 run. But either way, I think Tyreek Hill is the MVP if he hits 2K, man. You got to respect this. Oh, you're ordering off menu, a non-quarterback in the NFL winning the (laughs) MVP. Is that allowed? Yeah. David Dennis Jr. Absolutely selling this. He's not even the top MVP candidate in his own division. We're talking about what he did in four of the last five weeks, 300 yards, 115 Mm -hmm. passer rating against teams that were combined eight 430. We were talking about the entire season here. They got smacked by the 49ers. They lost to Philadelphia. And Jalen Hurts at that chart you showed with the standings, that's the guy who's quarterbacking the team at the top, who's second in the league in rushing yards. You just had five touchdowns last week. There's no way Dak Prescott is anywhere near him in the MVP race. Right okay. Now. Although you were just bemoaning that nobody plays good football anymore, the football that the Cowboys have played over the last month. You're bemoaning the quarterback position. He's played it very well over the last a uh, month and a half. Mm-hmm. We mentioned MVP last time, a non-quarterback won MVP. Another bonus point, free for you guys. Who was it? Adrian Peterson. Everybody had Adrian. Oh, not Derek. Adrian, Adrian Peterson. I heard Kalashaw. I think I heard uh, David and Marcel. We'll move on. Buy or sell to Deion Sanders on recruiting. A kid ain't even faithful to his girlfriend. You think he going to be faithful to a school? You know, what I wish the NCAA would do, honestly, uh, if you're committed to somewhere, you can't go to no other visits. Mm, Three top recruits decommitting from Colorado just this past week as the Buffalo season went down the tubes and splattered out, losing eight of nine. David, buy or sell this being a big problem for Sanders. I'm buying this as a a huge problem for Deion Sanders. Look, he can hang his hat on a lot of successes that he's had since he started coaching. The win-loss record at Jackson State, the awareness he brought to different schools, what he's done in terms of uh, NIL and transfer portals. What we cannot hang his hat on is the idea of loyalty because this guy bolted from Jackson State at the first opportunity at the middle of his contract. And 50 or so players that he brought to Colorado were in that transfer portal. So he has built his legacy and what he has based on players doing the exact same thing that he is now bemoaning because it is not beneficial to him. So you cannot go out there and be that type of hypocrite and expect for people to have your back. Marcel Louis-Jacques. Hey, look, if your girlfriend can go to a bar and be picked up, she was not your girlfriend. Be be confident in the in the product that you're selling, Dion. If you've got to commit, if you get the kids who you know are going to stay, like be confident in yourself. And the rule about, you know, if you can't, you can't take visits unless you commit, where's the line draw? What if there's a coaching change? What if there's a death in the family? What if something happens in their personal life? We've already seen the NCAA is incapable of making nuanced decisions. So it just opens the door for a lot of messy situations and a lot of players who are at a school they don't want to be at. George Sedano. Tony, having been involved in college football now for the last couple years, kids are more informed than they've ever been. Why? It's it, And I know some people bemoan this, but it's because they have agents involved with NIL make, helping making them decisions. Parents are more involved. Parents are more, uh, are more in, uh, informed because the internet allows you to be more informed about said situations. And Colorado has a ceiling. And I think that 
he's starting to learn that very quickly that it's not going to change overnight. And ultimately, he should know it's signed, sealed, and delivered. Signed, sealed, delivered on the contract. If you don't have that, it doesn't matter. I mean, I think George hit on the, on the main point. There's a lot involved in recruiting now that wasn't there a few years ago. Which schools were, were prepared to have their alumni start shelling out millions in NIL money and collectives? Colorado would not have been at the top of that list with their history. And, and so there's a lot more than just the appeal or the allure of Dion to get a kid to go to school to make things work for Colorado. Marcel, you said a lot of things can change when a player commits and then decommits, and you and you talked about real life stuff. Or that program could lose eight of nine. That's another thing that could happen here. I had a panel that looked a little bit like this panel when they were three and oh, tell me the takeover was complete. They didn't need to win. You didn't have to have wins. America thought a little bit different, but that three and oh, and everything was gonna be great. Well, not how it finished up for Deion Sanders. It's how it finishes up now from Marcel and George. Kalashaw, Dennis, showdown next. Death is the only punishment here. Now streaming, FX's Shogun. My master asks, what do you seek here? To vanquish our common enemies. Based on the global bestseller by James Clavell. War is coming. <laughs> Epic saga of war, passion, and power. Let it come. FX's Shogun, now streaming on Hulu. Around the Horn is presented by Bullet Frontier Whiskey. Please drink responsibly. Part of Happy Hour. Dallas Shaw, Dennis, good luck in showdown. College football story of the day yesterday was a hiring of Mike Elko by Texas A&M. And here's Coach Swain to the Aggie Warden. Some were wondering whether he's got the sway right, whether he's got the lyrics right. Today, college news of the day from Arkansas. Pete Thamel of ESPN reporting. Arkansas is vetting the hiring of a new OC, and that new OC is Bobby Petrino, who some may recall was their old coach who was fired after this. Tim Kalashov, what's the better look? I'm going to go with the better look being the swaying. I'd like to see Elko really buy into it a little more. This was something I really enjoyed when I was a student visiting A&M. He, he's just kind of going back and forth. David Dennis Jr.? There. The Petrino thing is inexcusable, so that's definitely the worst look. Shout out to the Sway. I've never seen anybody swag surf from the one and three before, but at least their hearts in it for the most part. Vetting a coach you already had and you fired, and if you have Google, you see this image come up immediately? What's the need Second for chances. Vets? Second chance. Maybe, but uh, maybe not. Use a different word than vetting. I don't think we need to vet. We'll move on. Grandma now. Not thrilled with the grandsons. In the Panthers-Sens game, this is the Kachuk brothers matchup. Brady and Matthew, there was a lot of fighting, and Grandma took it all in. David, who you got? Matthew Kachuk, Brady Kachuk, or Grandma Jerry Kachuk? I feel for Grandma Kachuk. I feel like they didn't tell her that they played hockey. Like, she thought that they were lawyers and they were coming to her no. job until she, she saw them knows. fighting last night. Come or on now. Go ahead, Tim. I'm going with Grandma. I think she knew. I think she's seen them skate around in the pond in the backyard. She hadn't seen them drop the gloves. But she was ready to go down to the ice by the she's end of that. She's seen more hockey than all of us combined. She birthed a hockey great. She's got two grants in hockey. Tim Callishaw, take the FaceTime. Oh, thank you, Tony. This is usually the part of the show I talk about myself or maybe my book, Drunk on Sports, still available. I'm going to talk about a different book, The Movement Made Us, 
by David Dennis Jr. Uh. It's a great book I read a week ago about his father, the freedom writer who left college in New Orleans, went to Mississippi. It's a father and son tale, a human story. Everybody, the movement made us. David Dennis Jr., right there. Oh my gosh, oh, how yeah. about that? We'll see you tomorrow. You're gonna make me cry. <laughs>